landed at the Friday Five podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Friday Five podcast. This is part two of our Game of Thrones tribute. Here with my buddy Michael Whalen, and uh, what do you what do you want to talk about here today? Uh, figure we should probably start with basically Game of Thrones tendency over the years, like starting season one even up till the bitter end, to reshuffle the deck a whole lot with you know various characters, events, directions of story, etc. And probably the best place to start with that would be season one. And, uh, Which we touched on a little bit with, I mean, Ned being the... Yeah, Ned's the kind the, of the... <laughs> the what's happening here, I don't... You know. I mean, they literally killed off the main character yeah. in season one. And yes, there's these people out there that are like, well, you know, he was never truly making... Yes, yes, he absolutely was. He's absolutely the main character in book one. He's absolutely the main character in season one. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, in book one, is it pretty much established this... Because I know what I just, mean, you just have the POV the characters, but still, it's like the central, most important character in this whole thing is this guy kind of centers around him yeah. yes and but you know to further that point like i said in season one you basically have four characters that are in some regards set up in such a way that if this was a conventional story this would be what you follow those being of course before mentioned ned and uh king robert and then on the other side viserys and um Cal Drogo, and but it know, was, as I said, the story kind of as it goes on, you think these guys are going to, you know, the way it seems to build up would suggest that you're going to basically have a shout out to Lana. It's a dire wolf. The suggest uh, the story suggested or kind of suggests from the way it starts out that you're going to you know build to a war between these two principal characters over here and these two principal characters over here, and then of course. As I mentioned, by the end of the season, none of these characters are even on the board. So, if your best way to do this is kind of address each one and kind of how they uh, meet their fate, shall we say? Well, that's Let's, true. Uh, like, I mean, a lot of a lot of shows. I guess. I mean, what I would think they would have done is like you know the main characters you see in season one, like you had just mentioned, mm. would last till like maybe season seven, and then the already established or the end of the show. Well, yeah, but yeah, but mean, then but then the smaller characters that we had already followed through those seven seasons would have then you know taken the reins and let it out to the end. But yo, I mean, we it I like I liked it because it definitely allows us to follow some of the smaller characters in growing from the very beginning. I mean, when you say smaller characters, well, not well, I mean characters that aren't established as the main characters in season one. Oh like, no, that's the I mean. To be fair, that's one of the other things. Like in the book, you still... That's the difference, I guess, between the books and the show to a large degree is with the POV chapters, you actually know, okay, let's see. Bran has one. Bran's important. I got you. John has one. John's important. They pretty much dedicate Danny whole has sections. One, and the, he's important. Hmm. And I mean, even a couple... Hell, three of the principal main, you know, people that we're talking about who are off the board actually aren't POV characters, but still they're important enough or seemingly important enough that you figure that they'll factor in yeah. more than they do. And then, you know, of course, as I said, the primary principal character is Ned, whose POV you absolutely follow for all of book one, and then he's dead. I think we covered this a bit last, but I just my overall reaction the first time I read that, you know, I kept expecting there would come a point where... I thought it was going to be like, really? Yeah, somebody like woke up from some, a dream or something? Something's going to happen <laughs> somewhere. He's going to get out of it, right? Oh, wait a minute. He's going to join the Night's Watch. He's got the... 
Nope, he's dead. All right then. Remind me in the in the show because I mean I haven't watched season one in a while. Do they are they initially going to send him to the Knights? watch or something? I think or? the threat's made because that's the okay. idea. Joffrey's yeah. supposed to give a pardon and then Joffrey being Joffrey calls an audible and decides to bring the headsman up gets Capte with his own sword by the way and has helped to start a war I guess you could say because there's other old things that started the war but Joffrey being an imbecile is a big part of what actually truly started it. Let's start with uh, just Viserys because again he starts off as you know almost a Something of a comically evil villain, sadly. Like, just so twisted and just over the top. Yeah. And then, you know, he's unceremoniously taken out of the show via Drogo. Well, I mean, it clashes. I mean, his entire uh, background and just the way that he speaks to him. I mean, you know it's not going to be much of a relationship. But that's a thing. And that, again, like I said, convention, usually you have the over-the-top evil villain, and for some reason all these people listen to him and do what he says, even though he's a complete moron, even though he's completely insane. Yeah. I remember there being a key point in at least the book, I can't speak for the show quite as much, but where he's offered a ride and like the... Basically where they keep the women and the children. Like where the Dothraki keep them, which <laughs> is like in the wagons, and he takes it as a sign of like, oh, respect. You know, carrying your king around on like a plonk or whatnot, <laughs> and... It's actually, like, about as big an insult as the Dothraki can give to someone because it's like, okay, you're not good enough to ride a horse. You're not good enough to, you know. And there are slow little indications of that. And, of course, like I said, he breaks, I don't know, five or six of the big rules and bias Dothrak, and then Drogo crowns him, and he's off the board. So from there, I guess we should probably talk about Robert. You start off, you have the King of Westeros, the yeah you know, the usurper to some etc. And again you know this big piece on the board and not only does he not make it through the first season but goes out in kind of a rather undignified and anticlimactic way, which is on the end of a boar tusk. And now granted there's a little bit of a push from the Lannisters getting him nice and drunk before he decided to go square off with the pig and get gutted, but. That's another one of those, like I said, as you're reading it, as you're watching, you know, you, again, you kind of assume this is the direction it's going in, and then, okay, Viserys is off the board. Oh, okay, well, it's going to be, you know, perhaps Drogo, you know, with Danny in some regard versus these two. Then Robert's off the board, and then that's when a lot of, I mean, a lot of the proper intrigue starts between, or before that, but that's where a lot of it really kind of kicks off because at that point, you know, the Lancers have the goal of keeping you know, their grip on the kingdom, and Ned has the goal of trying to prevent that. And I know Robert, he he tries to have Danny killed pretty early. I mean, doesn't he? Uh, yeah. To say the least, he was not a huge fan of the Targaryens. Which, again, if you kind of look at the start of the war, which was his fiance was Ned's sister, and you know she's I'm going to put quotes around this because. You know, as we later find out, no, not quite. She was kidnapped by the Crown Prince Rhaegar. And that is effectively what started, you know, the war that wound up putting Robert on the throne. And does he just now find out, like, in the the first book, I guess, that she exists? Or did he always know that she was around? I think they've pretty much always known, or at least Varys has. And Varys was the master of whispers. And I think they've basically been monitoring the situation... 
the other thing, I don't know how thoroughly they explore this in the show, but it's definitely in there, is, you know, again, Jorah being a spy. Like, Jorah is actually, at first, the one who's keeping tabs on this situation. Yeah. And reporting back in hopes of a pardon. Which, another story for another day. But, so like you were saying, though, he... So wait, let me let me stop you there for just a second. Mm-hmm. Jorah, he's hoping for a pardon from... King Robert. Robert, for, for what? I don't recall. Uh, I don't know how much they delve into it in the show. Okay. But the long and the short of it is he captured some men and sold them as slaves, which in Westeros is very much forbidden. And okay. he was exiled and like stripped of his, you know, title, his rank, etc. Yeah. Okay. It's in a way. So yeah. Matter of fact, that's actually part of how Longclaw, which that's John's sword eventually. That's how he want half of how he winds up getting it is because he left the sword before he, you know, fled to SS. I got you. But yeah, continuing on with that, that's his initial intent, yes, to have Danny um poisoned which as things played out i mean it's a little bit of the whole killing baby hitler conundrum but maybe it wouldn't have been the worst thing oh well <laughs> turns out he was the he yeah had the right idea yeah hero all along now oh, look at that again though to the main point he decides if i recall on his deathbed against that and decides you know maybe just maybe poisoning a teenager on the other side of the planet not the greatest idea at that point you basically have ned and drogo and speaking of uneventful deaths that's good segue to move into Drogo because <laughs> maybe the most uneventful in the show in maybe. its own way yeah well I mean you have Master Eamon who actually just dies of old age of course but <laughs> the most shocking death yeah eh, yeah old man dies there's probably only 20 of Amazing. them in Westeros that have died from old age yeah just the ones you know yeah <laughs> usually they don't make it into a story weirdest thing anyway point is but yeah uh, regarding Drogo it's another case where you have, a, a, again, this sort of big, you know, Genghis Khan stand-in type who, as you're reading it, kind of, okay, can't wait for this guy to get to Westeros. And then he gets a cut. And then the cut gets infected. And then the quote-unquote mystic that's with them, uh, you know, oh, yeah, she'll heal him, sure. Massacred her entire village, burned down all their huts. Huge fan. What could go wrong? And... So, again, there's kind of that argument, did she poison him, or did it just get further infected, or what? I I never quite understood that part, and maybe they dive into the book a little more, but why does she... Was she truly trying to help him, or was she out to kill him in the first place? She was definitely never there to help him, but it's sort of ambiguous as to whether or not she... Like she put it, you know, put together a poultice, which he put on. I guess it burned or something. So he immediately scrapes it off, and I think rubs some dirt on it or something. And goes on his merry way. So yeah. it's kind of a kind of fifty fifty. But I, from what you get, just from what she says towards the end in both show and in book, I'm pretty sure you can pretty well assume that she poisoned him, or at the very least, gave him something that was useless, knowing that in all likelihood he would, yeah, shall we say, try the Dothraki method, and you know. <laughs> die of basically septic shock yeah although well he didn't technically die of septic shock but you know he there's the key moment where he falls off the horse and you know danny well he was just like a vegetable pretty much you're kind of skipping ahead there but he falls off the horse and danny is trying to save him and 
you know, the witch does her little ritual, I guess you could say, slays his horse, blah, 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 and ultimately leaves him. It's like, I don't know, kind of like the curse of like the genie, like, oh, you wanted your wish, here's your wish. Yeah. You know, oh, you want him to be alive. Well, here he is, alive, barely alive, just yeah. sort of sitting there, you know, like you said, basically a vegetable at that point. And then, of course, Danny, you know, smothers him with a pillow and <laughs> blah, 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 moving ahead, walks into a fire, hatches some dragons, burns the witch. But that's another story. Um, Got an infection, smothered with a pillow. Yeah. But again, a case where it's like you figure when this guy's going to go out, it's probably going to be something big. It's probably going to be something epic. Yeah. He dies of an infection. A witch kind of brings him back to life. And his wife smothers him with a pillow. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Very dignified. <laughs> Dead. And then, of course, Ned. There's really... It's impossible to have a conversation about Game of Thrones without something of a deep dive on the death of Ned, because, as I kind of mentioned before, they literally kill off the main character of the show. Yeah. In the first season and in the books. In the I, first book. I just remember being blown away by that. Because, I mean... I don't know. Maybe if I'd done a little more research on Game of Thrones, I would have not been as surprised. But I went if you'd done more research, I would have known everything. I would have given you the same response (laughs) that my ex gave me, which is to slap the phone out of your hand and say, "No, don't you Google this." Yeah, but I went into it not knowing anything about the lore or anything. So the best way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just, I don't know where they're going to go from here. But which does actually puzzle me. I have like a couple of those, you know, the handful of friends that are holdouts who still haven't watched the show for whatever reason, and. Like, I'm just going to wait a few years and watch it then. It's like, there's no you're way. You're going to hear about it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you're just going to walk in and have random things spoiled for you. I'm but afraid okay, to sure. wait two hours after an episode, much less a few years. Yeah. But, uh, as we are saying about Ned, though, uh, if I recall, you had a fairly strong reaction to Ned's demise. So, you want to I mean, I was, I was watching it by myself because I started mm-hmm. the show by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember it happening, and I remember going in there to my wife to the other room going, you have to watch this show, <laughs> because first of all, I don't know what they're going to do. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, they just killed the main guy, and I'm pretty sure this is going to be you know, a handful of seasons. So that's when it really got interesting to me. I mean, I, I liked season one up until then. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great, but the fact that they're kind of starting from scratch again and building some of these characters up that you thought were going to be mm-hmm. kind of side characters from a viewer's perspective, not from a reader's perspective. Um, that was really intriguing to me. One of the things I remember from that time, there was an article, I don't know if it was Entertainment Weekly or something, but and it always kind of stuck with me because the ending paragraph was something to the effect of, oh, as it turned out, Ned wasn't the main character at all. And it's like, okay, first of all, no. <laughs> he yes, wasn't he absolutely one, was. Yeah. And then they listed, you know, obviously the real main characters are, and they start listing off these characters. And of course, you know, I'm at this point, you know, there's four books out. The fifth one hasn't come. And I'm just kind of like reading through it going, huh? Dead, 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 (laughs) dead, dead. dead. Yeah. You guys really nailed it there. Two of the nine you named are alive anyway. But, um, like I said, I remember, you know, reading it the first time, you know, as I kind of mentioned, it's like you're, it's like, I so I would say everybody, except I've been on Reddit, and no, apparently not everybody does have a grasp of how stories go, but everybody has sort of this, most everybody has sort of this little 
I don't know, inkling in the back of their mind where they know the natural way in which a story is going to progress. And when it starts, yeah. yeah, when it starts kind of going away from convention, that's when you kind of start to question, like, wait, which way is up? And Which I love that. Yeah, and I remember when reading that, like you know there's a handful of moments where you think you're maybe he's going to make it out you know there's for one thing you know he's supposed to be pardoned he's not supposed to be captated again yeah, yeah. that was a uh, that was an audible call by Joff and just i remember you know reading it it was a total gut punch and then the strange thing was even in watching it and knowing it was going to happen it was quite similar like you know, still managed to have like one of those moments like where your heart kind of drops into your stomach, just like, ugh, okay, that was rough. I so, think that's one of the big, that was one of the big selling points of the show, at least to me, in that it's not conventional and like basically no one's safe. I mean, they, they will kill anyone <laughs> at yeah. any moment. That's what I kind of enjoyed about it is that every season, every episode you were watching, anything could happen. It was never going to follow necessarily a from A to B at the beginning and end of every episode. I still think there's a certain degree of, or well, not a certain degree, like with Game of Thrones, like there's a method to the madness. Like when I think truly, truly anyone can die, I think something like Walking Dead where they start killing off enough characters is like, okay, people just don't care anymore. Like you've done too much damage. People, yeah, they're out. Yeah. And Game of Thrones, like, you know, when the story no longer needs this character, okay, bye. But yeah. But, I mean, like I said, particularly if you're just coming out as a viewer, I can understand why you'd have that mentality about it. Anyway, okay, I think that basically about covers Season 1, so I think my other good example of reshuffling comes in Season 2 with, first of all, Renly. You have Renly and Cat strike an alliance, you know, okay, these two teams are going to go to war, they're going to knock these other two off the board, and everything's going to go swimmingly. Except this is Game of Thrones, that's not how this works, and about five seconds later, he's killed by one of Melisandre's little shadow babies. Melisandre. Mommy Melisandre. Oh, Jesus. Look, anyway, it was a beautiful birth. We didn't know that he was going to be a shadow man. It's literally one of those horrifying <laughs> moments of the show, but okay, that's, sure. That's, what? that's when the show became like, okay, I know this is a fantasy show, it's blah, blah, blah. Okay. It's really a fantasy show. We're really going off the rails here. She's giving birth to a shadow man. I do remember having a couple of arguments with the ex and with a couple others about, well, you know, fantasy really does take a backseat. I'm like, chick gave birth to a shadow monster. But okay, not sure. For, yeah, not for right. long. Like you said, and dragons, but yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, again, that was kind of a key. And there's not a lot to say about it, but it's just, you know, you you know, at that point, Stannis basically becomes a kinslayer, which, um, hmm. A little bit of foreshadowing there. <laughs> and to me, just as a reader, that's the point where, like, I guess you, I, like, not that point specifically. I understood in the prologue that, okay, Mel's maybe not necessarily a benevolent force, and Stannis definitely isn't, and here we are. Yeah. And a lot of the fandom kind of clung on to that, but that's something we can kind of get to later. Um, but like I said, you basically, it takes Renly off the board, and there's another person who you kind of thought might be of some consequence, and then he's just kind of gone. Where did he go from here once again? Yeah. And, you know, that season continues on, and you eventually have the Battle of the Blackwater, 
which uh, you tell me as a viewer how you expected that was going to go. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, they were coming into King's Landing with a bunch of ships, which I, I think is already a disadvantage. I mean, but they started talking about wildfire that that wasn't a surprise, was it? Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember back to season one. Maybe not to you, but I mean we're talking season two at this point. Our, our, our season two that that wasn't necessarily something that came into play. That was a surprise to viewers necessarily. Well, I mean you know Tyrion is up to something, and you know it involves wildfire. You just don't know necessarily what what they're going to do with it. Yeah. But the thing is, even for all it did, the survivors still stormed the castle and still were doing a pretty good job of. Well, that's you true. Know. That's where Tyrion gets uh, his scars. and Yeah, by one of his own men who cuts him and <laughs> tries to kick him down the bank into the river, basically. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and then you have uh, Lord Tywin and Loras, who um, it's hinted at as, or in the books that he's like the gay lover of Renly, but it's never really established. Like, if you know how to read subtext, it's like, okay, yeah, totally. But... <laughs> You know, in the show, as with a couple of characters, comes one of the defining characteristics of this character. Yeah. But anyway, they show up and attack Stannis in an ambush and basically finish off, maybe not the rest of his force, but, you know, enough of it that he has no choice but to retreat is pulled aside. And, and that was the uh, first big blow to Stannis' campaign, pretty much, right? Uh, apart from the fact that nobody liked him and he was kind of a complete tool. Yes, yes, that was... <laughs> A large part of it, but um, there's more to say about Stannis later. But that's another one of those cases, though. Like I said, just as a reader, you kind of don't know which way is up, and it's like you have basically a fight between two forces. It's like you like Tyrion by this point, but you really don't like anyone on this side of the equation. You especially don't like Joffrey. You're possibly not a huge fan of Stannis, so it's kind of like, um, hmm, all right, well, which which of the lesser of two evils walks away with this victory? At yeah. least that's kind of how I was looking at it, but I remember a lot of people at the time did sort of, by that point, had kind of glossed over, because of the sheer evil of Joffrey, had kind of glossed over the fact that Stannis wasn't that great of a character either, and were like fully expecting Stannis to just show up and wreck shop, and yeah. didn't happen, took a lot of people by surprise again. And that's really, I think, Melisandre didn't really help. She, I mean, you know, she gave him a lot of. Uh, well, false... Melisandre has a history and a future, as it were, in this case, of not quite helping. Like, uh, yeah. she always seems to know just enough to like get, you know, to be just off the mark. Which again, we have a deep dive on Melisandre later, so we can kind of touch more upon that at the time, but. If I recall, that was another. That was also a case, though, where she was. And I think this was at the behest of Davos. Kind of going back to how good counsel tends to screw people over in this universe. Davos said, "You know, you don't want to show up on your ships as a liberator with her standing by your side." Yeah. And so he didn't take her, and look what happened. <laughs> so it's true. Yeah. Which something I actually didn't really even think about, but yeah, there, there's there's a history of like good intentions you know, from counselors just going completely awry. Yeah. And that's another good example of that. But I think that's about all we have in season two. At least it's overt. So moving along to season three, and I've actually argued before that this is a significant death in its own sort of way, and that is the death of the right hand of Jamie Lannister. <laughs> its own little character in itself. It does stick around for a while around his neck. 
Well, I mean, so does the head on Rob's shoulders that they sew, but I mean, jeez. Nah, that's, that's true. Anyway, but point of the matter is... I did not see that coming. What? His hand. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and that's part of what's brilliant about it. And also, it's another case of like, here's a character. What's his primary defining characteristic up to this point? Warrior. Yeah. Warrior. Big badass warrior can take anybody, blah, blah, blah. Oh, he's going to die in glorious fashion on a battlefield, right? <laughs> nope, not so much. They chop his hand off, and it's at that point that basically kind of begins his, I guess, basically his face term, because that's when they start, you know, I mean, storytellers themselves, both Martin and, uh, you know, Benioff and Weiss, but also, you know, start exploring kind of what made Jamie, Jamie, and you get more into his background and kind of see why he is the way he is yeah. and a few of his choices. And again, there's more of a deep dive on that later. So we can kind of move things along. But like I said, it's a significant moment because it's yet again a character where you think this is going to happen and then you're left with a totally different situation where it's like, okay, well, best he's a lefty in a sword fight who doesn't quite know what he's doing. Well, now what? That's how the episode ends too, I believe. Yeah. yeah. It cuts and then he just screams <laughs> and then it cut to this weird punk song for some reason i I don't remember that i'll have to listen to that it's like a weird punk version of the bear and the maiden fair oh (laughs) i remember i remember finding that a little glaring because i figured i kind of thought that would have been one of those where it's like you know silence would have been nice yeah yeah the echoing of jamie screams and then nothing and it's like remind me who it is that cuts his hand off i uh different characters in the books and the show um i believe in the show it's a guy named Locke. Um, he's basically one of Bolton's men, uh, which uh, Bolton will come up here in a second. And if I recall, Jamie does a thing where he, you know, basically makes the bluff like, you know, oh, my father will make you all rich men, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, well, your dad's not here. Yeah. Chop. Um, a similar thing goes down in the books, but again, it's a different character with who's a little bit more fleshed out. Locke is more kind of like a little bit of a composite who, if I recall, goes on to eventually get killed beyond the wall in some weird form or fashion. But regardless, that's where they establish him. And, you know, like I said, not, not a super important character ultimately. And neither really is the one in the books who does it, but Hmm. still, he, um, I'm trying to remember. I believe the one of the books gets fed to a bear, so it's, <laughs> it's fun for him. Anyway, yeah, um, but moving along, of course, the most significant, you know, reshuffling bit in season three, mm. without fail, is the Red Wedding. Season three, episode nine. I still remember. The Reigns of Castamere. <laughs> it's not often I remember the episode number. Another thing worth noting, it's just a little bit of a callback to the episode of Blackwater. I thought significant there. Uh, Blackwater ends with, you know, the song, The Reigns of Castamere, as performed by the National, if I recall. And I remember <laughs> watching it with somebody and kind of just nudging them and be like, you might want to pay attention to that song. And them basically kind of ranting at me about what, what difference does it make? It's not like I'm ever going to need to know that notes of that song again, blah, blah, blah. So, okay. Yeah. Sure. And that's like the key moment that starts it off is you have Catalan walking around and that song starts and she just turns around like, wait a minute, 
that's kind of what throws are. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess when watching the show, at least uh-huh. I didn't catch that that's what they were playing, because at that time I didn't know it was, it was as significant. I mean, kind of like your yeah. your buddy was, but. Want to get the books you beat that, you over the head with that fact? Why? Like, okay, here's my question: Why does that catch your ear? What? Well, for well, you, when you say that, do you mean like that song specifically, or do you mean is there like a story behind the song? Well, I guess I guess why does Reigns a Castamere? Why does hearing that play make her kind of concerned? Oh, yeah. Well, there's a good story to that. It's because it's Tywin Lannister's signature song, and yeah. it's specifically about the time that Tywin Lannister wiped out two bloodlines completely like okay. just off the map like i believe the tarbex and the reigns uh i don't remember well i remember a lot of the finer details but in the interest of time we can't get into them yeah. but just he was pushed um a little bit about time without going too much detail his father was rather weak and easily walked over you know quite the opposite of Tywin and Taiwan aimed not to be that and mm. had basically two houses kind of, I guess, rise up against his dad in some way or offend them in some way and push them just a little bit too far. And Taiwan went about making sure that that was that people knew, you know, basically when you crossed him that you were going to regret it. And you were going to regret it deeply. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so much so they composed a song. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> as such, when people hear that song, knowing what it's about and knowing, hey, this isn't a Lannister wedding. What's going on here? Yeah. That's kind of a good indicator of, you know, things to come. Shall I we just say. I just like that he before he specifically said, I want you to play that song at a certain time, you know, and just I don't know. the Yeah. Air- uh, well. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, there's no. That's there's, more, at least in the books, it's kind of more suggested that that was an audible by the, um, by the Frey family to play oh, that song. Okay, okay. Because there is sort of a weird. It's not that Tywin's a noble, honorable character, but Tywin's not quite as maniacal, malicious, and sadistic as, say, I don't know, twenty other characters that we yeah. have in the show. And I mean, that kind of even comes up in the discussion later, you know, after, you know, about, well, you know, is it somehow more holy basically to kill eight people at a wedding or, you know, thousands on a battlefield? Yeah. yeah. I mean, but back to the red wedding itself, which we're kind of stepping over here. Okay. Yeah. You, as a viewer, got to see the red wedding. So go ahead and tell us how that went for you. Once again, viewer, 100% didn't know what was about to happen. Um, Not even a little? No. I had no clue can i ask you this what was about that did you at least have those little moments where like rob was doing x or y and thinking yeah maybe that's a questionable choice or (laughs) i mean i guess i didn't see it you know there being a downfall at the wedding though Hmm. um continue you know i remember and i talked about this a little bit in the last friday five podcast episode episode 34 i think and that I know what I was doing when I watched it. It was mm. on the same day that two things went wrong in our house. We just bought a house. That was a ranch customer. <laughs> we did. Well, we did. The, uh, the roof was leaking. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you the have, ra- you have, you have different kind else, of rain. You know who else's roof was leaking? The rains. <laughs> and that's why they're not here anymore. So we were having a hard time with the house that day. And I decided, you know, it was a Sunday. I'm going to watch last week's episode. So I sat down and watched it. That part happened. I think I just went mute for like an hour. I was like, what? I mean, that was one of the most gutting moments in any television show 
in my opinion, in history. I remember getting a text from you about it, and I think, <laughs> now you mentioned, I think it was about an hour afterwards, you were like, dude, oh my god, I'm gutted. <laughs> and I was just sort of sitting there like, not chuckling about it per se, because even the show, like, again, it's kind of like, like I said, all they got you with Ned, it's like, I read about this, and I remember reading about it, and just almost feeling nauseated, like, while I was reading it, which... Yeah. I usually don't get that caught up in, you know, let me fiction, add, and still I'm reading this and just like, you know. Let me ask like, you this. As someone that had read the books, knew it was coming, right. would you have rather not known it was coming? You Do you think uh, you, you uh, kind of missed out on the impact that it had on the show? Not really, because like I said, just the impact that it had in the books. In the and book, also, yeah. and that's another important fact, they managed to actually up it a little bit in the show because they kill off... They created perfectly new characters to kill off that weren't even in the book. Um, in the case of his wife wasn't in yeah, the book, which, right? Well, his wife, he has a wife in the book. That is the thing that kind of the principal thing that sets all this off. One huge difference is I, I, I don't want to bury Rob too much here. No pun intended, but um, <laughs> I don't think he got buried. <laughs> okay. I don't want to chuck out Rob with the garbage too much here. No pun intended. Yeah. But Rob in the books is kind of the case of, you know, he's the young, strangely seasoned battle commander who, you know, seemingly can't be stopped on the battlefield, which is kind of why they decide to go around, you know, killing him in such a fashion. And he makes one crucial mistake, which is... um trying to think of a way to say this in a PG sense. Uh, he takes, uh, and conquers his castle or whatever and uh, gets the news that his brothers are quote-unquote dead. Remember, there's the whole bit with Theon where... That's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can't really cover that too much, but blah, 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 it happened. Um, or actually, it didn't happen, but yeah. But he doesn't know that. And, you know, so he's quote-unquote comforted by the daughter of the house. Comforted is a fancy word for sex in uh, <laughs> GRRM's writing, I suppose yeah. you could say. And being honorable, noble, son of Ned and all that, well, he has to marry her then. You know. That was the mistake, yeah. Well, there was the first mistake, then he married Well, her. yeah, but the, the marriage. Because, I mean, he was but, promised he was supposed to marry mm -hmm. into the fray, right? Yeah, Phrase. and something yeah. that you find out later on in the books is that actually even that was planned. That was plotted by Tywin Lannister, you know. was like, yeah, he's going to take your castle. Anyway, go ahead and offer up your daughter to him so we can pull this whole thing off. So, like, she was in on it. Uh, the mother of... Wow. Or rather, the mother of, you know, the wife of Rob. And... Um, God. A little bit of payback in the book because her son winds up getting killed at the Red Wedding. So it's like, oh, well, you decided to, you know. Now, remind me of something really quick. His his wife... In the show is a completely show-only and different creation. Okay, so you were talking about the book just a second ago. Yes. Because in the show, she isn't... She's, she's from Volantis. She's like a, a she's nurse. She's like a nurse. Or a, yeah. Something okay, to okay. the effect of that. Okay. But but in the they books... They fall in love. She's the daughter of yeah. the house that they conquer, and they pretty much say you can... Okay. Mm. Okay. And like I said, later on, it might even be a... I don't know if it's in that book. It might even be in book four. But later on, you figure out that, you know, the Westerlings were in on it the whole time and whatnot. But never mind that. 
like I said, uh, we get more into that later. But um, the oh. show created a completely different character. Yeah. Made her sympathetic. Gave her screen time. And you get back to Rob. And Rob in the show makes a series of mistakes. You know, you have that. You have, like, the beheading of, I believe it was one of the car Starks, which he does that in the book, but it's seems oh, like it's a little yeah. more understood. Yeah. It still doesn't help. They still abandon him, but, you know, makes a series of mistakes building to the Red Wedding. And then on top of that, takes his wife, who is pregnant, and, you know, they... So, not only do they kill off Rob, kill off Catalan, kill off several other characters, they kill off his wife, and they kill off his baby, which, as I remember one of my friends screaming, they stabbed her in the baby. That was that was arguably one of the worst parts of that. I mean, I don't know. that That's just brutality on a new level. I mean... I think that's about as bad as you get. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I really don't know that the show ever quite topped that. And I don't know yeah. that... Uh, not that I would have wanted them to. I can think of like, one more scene that comes close, but we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Not necessarily. Okay. And I don't know if I have notes for that. So we'll see. <laughs> you might want to edit this out in post. Here's another list of words you want to edit out in post, Brent. <gasps> anyway. <laughs> But yeah, moving along. Um, like I said, though, it was another case where it's like, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. And the show got me probably not to the level that it got you, but it was still by no stretch of imagination, easy scene to watch. Yeah. And I think that's also cuts to silence. You might know that. No, or maybe. Yes, it does cut silence. But that's another one of the like during that kind of an introduction like Roos has been in the show at this point, but you don't quite know what Roos is. And then there's like, you know, even go so far, he's dancing with cat at the wedding and, you know, almost like flirting with her. God, I forgot about that. And then he sort of makes that, he refuses to drink, you know, which is another, like one of those little tells. And then, you know, she reaches over and touches the chain mail and he just gives that little smirk. Like, yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, like I said, it's kind of an early introduction to just kind of the brutality of House Bolton. Yeah. Like, before you even really have Ramsey in the story. But, um... If you only knew he was lurking somewhere. But yeah, the other thing I remember, like, the key thing, and, and again, I mean, a little different in the show compared to the books here, but... I mean, if, just for nothing else but pacing, but... You know, like, that final scene, you have cat you know screaming bloody murder and then almost kind of just going catatonic and then it's like the one guy just kind of walks by and is like oh yeah her too and just slits her throat and just keeps yeah. on going it's just like i mean I, I think that could definitely be and then like you said cuts to just nothing and it's just like all right well i guess we'll be digesting that forever sorry go ahead <clears throat> no i was saying i think it could definitely be grouped into those people that died just you know talking about drogo and mm-hmm. you know every well yeah and King Robert, that just kind of like... Well, like I said, that's another... That's part of the reason I kind of threw it on there, because it's yeah. another case where it's like, okay, well, these are some important characters, and then again, just like in one fell swoop, just, they're off the board. Then just a quick slit of the throat by a nobody. Although, well, yeah. eh, worth noting, um, and I think we touch on this later on, Catalan survives, in a manner of speaking, in the books, but they didn't really expound upon that much in the show uh which i remember spoiling for myself 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the books <laughs> fell off the shelf and just happened to open to the page where they talk about Lady Stone art. Interesting. Becky told me about it. Because Becky, my wife Becky, had read the book. So you she, lied to me. Right here on the air, you're telling me that you lied to me all these years. Well, she mentioned it, but then I opened the book and I read some more about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so why concoct the story about knocking it off the shelf, which I knew was complete bullshit anyway? I was joking about that. Uh-huh, I didn't, sure. Yeah, anyway. I, she had mentioned it that I actually looked in the book a little bit. Yeah. If it had it did if it had fallen off the shelf and opened up to Lady Stoneheart, I'd see that as a sign. I was supposed to know about it, and then be disappointed when she never showed up in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Well, eh, a lot of people got that, but oh well. Um, I mean, to your point, there's not much else to say about it. But yeah, that was another, as we mentioned, big case of them reshuffling the deck totally and. Uh, worth noting uh, before we venture into season four, just because I think this is a important distinction about the um, little bit of a shuffling we get here in the next part. Season three and four covered one book, which is book three, A Storm of Swords. And as such, I wouldn't say I don't think it ends in exactly the middle point, but you know, a lot of what happens in book three is you know, like I said, spread across two seasons. Yeah. Which kind of brings us to our next bit of reshuffling, which happened in season four, which I imagine you had a significantly different reaction to than I did, which is um, the death of our first big villain in the series, good, noble King Joffrey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I now you had already read this, of course, so I mean... I, which I can go on a nice little rant about if you want yeah if you want to talk about go ahead yeah um well i mean i think you had you brought this up to me before about how it happens shortly does how how far is the red wedding and his death in the books i can't tell you exactly but the fact of the matter there i'll I'll say this much they're definitely not terribly far apart and as you're reading a book versus taking a year off going on with your life and then revisiting a series (laughs) next april it's like when you get to Joffrey's death in the books, it's almost just like, huh? Oh, yeah, cool. All right, he's dead now. Whatever. I still can't feel feelings because of the Red Wedding. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I wasn't I, as numb yeah, from the Red it's Wedding like, still. And, of course, the other thing is, yeah, he dies and, you know, he gets poisoned as established. But it's another one of those cases where it's like, and I'm speaking from both viewer and reader perspective, and maybe just from a human perspective in this case, that's not how I wanted to see Joffrey go. Yeah. I wanted to see him go screaming like a little shrieking coward that he was. (laughs) I imagine I'm not alone in this. You tell me. No, I I didn't see it coming at the wedding. I mean, I I didn't... um... I certainly didn't see it coming because I didn't think there was going to be any kind of extravagant death, like you just said. I mean, he definitely suffered it. Apparently. Ironically, there was another cue. The Reigns of Castamere played once again. but Oh, did they? Yeah, that's right. But at the same time, at a Lannister wedding, that's not a that's not a thing. Like, there's even... Yeah. I think there's a remark made in the books, at least. I don't think it was covered in the show where uh, the Queen of Thorns says something like, Oh, who's playing now? I do hope they play the Reigns of Castamere again. <laughs> or something like to that effect. Because, like, it had been... Yeah. Like a constant thing at the wedding, but yeah, um, it, was, it was shocking in the fashion that he went. Um, because at this point, him and Tyrion were pretty much butting heads constantly, and I was ready for a little more than that. I was ready I mean, for him to die, they hated but, each other, but yeah. and of course, Tyrion ultimately not the one who's responsible for it. It's Elena Tyrell and Littlefinger, and 
Tyrion. He gets blamed is, for it. Well, he's though. a nice scapegoat. So, yeah. you know, that's how that sets up. Because Joffrey but, somehow manages to point at him and yeah, as he's dying. Well, you know, might as well with your dying gas. You know, gasps, just like, <laughs> it was him probably. Yeah. <laughs> but, but in any case, um, like I said, uh, and don't be wrong, it's like, as you're reading it, it's satisfying to know, like, all right, well, this character's off the board, but at the same time, it's like, Joffrey's still in no capacity, like what you would call the big bad. So, you know... Like I said, and I mean, also just reading it, like you're kind of numbed to everything, so it's just kind of like, oh, cool, Joffrey's dead too now. Yeah. Which I basically said earlier, but still. And I remember, though, at one point, uh, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but you seemed almost giddy about it when we were talking about it, like kind of celebratory. And I think that's because you got that year off to actually, you know, <laughs> it actually meant stew in the yeah. Red Wedding, and then, okay, and this little jackass who's celebrating it then promptly gets poisoned at his own wedding. Would you say that it comes up too quick in the book? Like, it's not paced out enough? There's no way. I, you can't write the Red Wedding and expect anybody to feel anything after that in your book. So, But yeah, so the impact isn't really quite as... And like I said, I'm not going to criticize the writing of the book, because frankly that's my favorite of the books, as it stands. But just after the Red Wedding, they're really, like I said, there's not much of, uh, it's almost like nothing that can happen really can like much top that or like bring you up much from that because you're just kind of sitting there like almost, you know, I don't know, catatonic after it. Like just like, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That happened. Great. <laughs> Purple. Yeah. Goes all in, in that one book. And, uh, Moving along, you know, you have other little moments in season four. And, I mean, again, Joffrey, a just point worth making, which kind of covered a little bit, but that is probably the first significant villain death in the series. And, again, as with many of the deaths in the series, to some degree, or at least in my opinion, a deeply unsatisfying one. But, like I said, maybe some viewers felt differently. I, maybe you felt slightly differently, but I think it probably helps that y'all had a year off. No, actually, I mean, it's, I mean, yeah. definitely from a viewer's perspective, that's a huge win for the good guys. I mean, you know, he's... Meanwhile, uh, he's not even killed by the good guys. <laughs> he's killed by more bad guys. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely but, the most significant villain that's died in the show up until then. I mean, now... I don't know. I don't want to jump ahead, so I won't continue with what I was thinking. I was wondering if another death happened in the same book, too. But... We'll talk about him, I'm sure. Possibly. But as I said, season three and four equal book three. So, yeah, there we are. So moving on from Joffrey, a um, couple of other significant reshuffles throughout. You, of course, as I mentioned earlier, you know, Tyrion's framed for this. So you have his trial and everything. You have another character that's introduced a little bit earlier on, the Red Viper of Dorne, Oberyn Martell. And uh, as it turns out, um, he has a little bit of a, what you might call a, a <laughs> grudge against yeah. House Lannister, and specifically, now not a member of House Lannister, member of House Clegane, but regardless, a bannerman of House Lannister, the Mountain, 
who, <laughs> worth noting, we talked about uh, recasts in the last episode, and somehow this one just completely escaped my memory. I think largely because of how big a part the third guy ultimately became of the show. The Mountain was re- was played by three initial guys. In the first season, you had, uh, I believe the actor's name was Conan Stevens. Perfect for the role. I guess. Well, actually, it was significantly better than the second guy. The second guy was the one who they seemingly dress up anytime they needed a giant or, in some cases, a white walker or whatnot. Seven foot tall, rail thin, etc. I don't even remember him. Uh, he's barely in season two. Yeah. And he's not particularly memorable as the like he's in there, but it's like I think a lot of people the way they saw it just kind of like almost like missed that. Oh, you mean that's supposed to be the guy who chopped his horse's head off? That guy? Huh? Weird. Yeah. And then of course reintroduced in season three, played by yet another guy, but again big, imposing, monstrous, Braun Strowman-looking strong man. <laughs> But as I mentioned before, the Viper and him have a bit of a history, which is uh, without going too much book lore here. But uh, yeah, Rhaegar's first wife was the sister of Oberon Martell. Um, I believe her name was Elia Martell. Again, I'm a little hazy on some of the names. But during the sack of King's Landing, uh, Tywin Lannister ordered, you know, two troops to basically scale the wall and, you know, again, eliminate any lingering traces of uh, the Targaryen line that they could catch. And, mm-hmm. uh, you she know, was caught. Uh, yeah. And her yeah. kids were murdered. Um, you know, I, in the books, there's a different character that actually helps along with this who I don't think factors into the show much, but uh, as far as show goes, the mountain did it all. Like, yeah. you know, slaughtered the three of them, etc. Sorry, continue what you're going to say. No, I was going to say, I was always kind of disappointed we never saw the mountain, like, in a battle in the show, which I don't think we did. When you say in a battle, you mean, like, in a big, full Like a scale. big battle, yeah. then you have this dude in the middle just wiping people out, you know. Well, I mean, it would have been a little video gamey to a degree, <laughs> but at the same time, that was during the... And there was a lot of this in, like, the first several seasons. The, the kind of, the cutaway battle, like... Yeah. You see a bunch of horses charging. You see a bunch of guys pull swords and then cut to the aftermath. Or, you know, Tyrion's running out and then a hammer hits him in the head and cuts him waking up on the back of a wagon talking to Bronn. So, yeah, yeah, bit of a missed opportunity. But, you know, he definitely had his standout moments, one of which we're speaking of now. And I don't know if I would call... I'm not necessarily going to say that the Viper and the Mount, or Viper's death is what I would say reshuffling, but kind of builds to one, which is you know, you have again this character who's established who seems like he's going to be something more important than he turns out. And, yeah, I mean he is important, but yeah. he doesn't last very long. And that was that was a top ten shock for me, honestly, in the show. I mean, because what like you just said, quietly, that's one of my favorite episodes. Really? Uh, yeah, and I. I mean, continue on with what you're gonna say about it being a shock, but well, it was a shock mainly in how he died. How it was just a sweep of the leg. <laughs> well, I mean, to me, the interesting part about it was this is both in the books and, I mean, not so much in the show because again, I guess I knew what was happening. But you have this character, you know, the mountain again, who's basically built up as you know, and this is while he's still alive this unstoppable force, let alone what he becomes later, yeah, built up as like this unstoppable force, and this guy goes out there and just picks him apart. 
Yeah, totally. Speed and agility just... Well, and poison blades, as it turns out, but... Oh. Believe me, that does come up. There's the whole part where they show him, and he's got a big hole rotting in the side of him and whatnot. But, um... Yeah. And, I mean, that's ultimately what got him, too. Like, But, anyway... But, you know, this guy comes out there and basically has a perfect game plan and picks him apart. And, you know, you had earlier in the conversation or in the season had Tyrion, you know, ask Braun to be his representative. And Braun, you know, respectively backed out because, as he mentioned, and a little bit of foreshadowing there, it's like, well, the guy that size, all it takes is one slip. And, yeah, he was right. That's fine. And, yeah. you know, he, you know, I don't want to cover plot too much there but you know has him pinned to the ground and then you know just goes full on like no i want a confession i want you to say it i want to hear him say it could have easily finished him off but he wanted to oh yeah but nope had to had to get that confession and he got it that's all well yeah he got it <laughs> and that was the last thing he heard on this planet yeah and uh i remember in the book specifically that chapter ends with Tyrion vomiting like uh, with his uh, parent, what was her name? Alaria Sand screaming and Tyrion vomiting. I think the show just ends with her screaming and yeah. Tyrion with a look on his face, like well, this didn't go as expected. <laughs> and but yeah, that all of that, like I said, kind of necessary to sort of set up the next big reshuffling moment, which is the death of Tywin Lannister. Yeah, because at that point, okay, Tyrion's lost the trial by combat. Well, I guess Tyrion's on the chopping block. Or, well, I don't know. Tell me as a viewer, what did you think was going to happen? Was Tyrion's trial before that? Because that's where they established it was going to be trial by combat, He right? has the trial, and yeah. he's supposed yeah. to go and, I think, confess and take the black or, you know, that some was other BS thing episode. or whatever. And he snaps and just goes off on, you know, the entire peanut gallery there, that's which basically is exactly how it went in the books, where, you know, basically it was speech. like, no, I didn't kill him, but I wish I had. And yeah. just kind of... You know, just goes on this rant about how he saved all their lives. and But, yeah. Uh, well, it's anyway. kind of going back, you know, once again, Tywin's death. A uh, very un... Uh, not much of a glorious... <laughs> well, yeah, but we're... I mean, that doesn't really matter. I mean, what matters is what happens when Tywin does die. Because for all points and purposes... No, but tying it into some of the earlier deaths, how they just, you know, it's not done in a very noble fashion. No, no but at the same time, for once in the show, you have... A person, one of the, I'm going to put quotes around one of the good guys here because you know how that all goes. But okay, you have a protagonist killing off an antagonist and one of their primary antagonists. As a matter of fact, I think that's the first time in the story you actually get it. Hmm. You know, you have someone who's basically made Tyrion's life miserable for pretty much all of it. Yeah, and he, you know, is the one who actually gets to pull the trigger. Yeah, um, that's true. You can't really say that about. I mean, you can in some of the later Many. seasons, yeah. but like I said, at, that, at this point, you're looking at four seasons, and that hasn't happened. It's yeah. like the most, the biggest villain death to this point is Joffrey and it's a villain even. and a kind of in between character, the ones who pulled it off. Yeah. So you know, you're like I said, it's just that it's kind of a big moment in and of itself, but still, come back to my ultimate point about it. Once you have Tywin off the board, like, if you actually take a look at it, for all points and purposes, Tywin is, he's not the king, but he's the ruling force for the first four seasons, yeah. the first three books. And as soon as he's off, it's kind of, okay, well, game on. Uh, Cersei doesn't have anybody to keep her in check anymore. What do we do now? And 
but before we continue on with that, just going back as a viewer, what did you think? Like at the end of that episode, the mountain of Viper, did you think Tyrion was going to die? Like, were you kind of in a, you know, I don't know what to expect about anything at this point. I, I, I was definitely at that point. I mean, you know, it was a situation where I would have still been shocked if they would have killed off Tyrion because mm-hmm. he was such a kind of a beloved character for viewers, at least. Yeah, um, so was Ned. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> that is true. I mean, if you're going to ask me, did I ever expect Tyrion to make it through the show? No way. I mean, through the whole series. Um, but yeah, I mean, once again, like you said, when, when Tywin died, it just kind of... That just really, you know, first you had the King Joffrey die, and then you had Tywin die, and then it's just like, it's a cluster. Yeah. I mean, who who does what now, you know? And that's really where I think, not their downfall, but, you know, it definitely took them down several notches there to the fact well, cause, yeah, that, that they point, had no leadership. I mean, there was nothing. Well, yeah, you have, like, the little struggle, I guess, between, like, Kevin Lannister and Cersei. But, you know, at that point, like I said, basically the governor is kind of off on Cersei, and she can, yeah. you know, there's nothing to keep her in check. And, again, she's the character's not a moron, but she's smarter, or she's not as smart as she thinks she is. And Tywin was always kind of good at reminding her of that and keeping her from, like, whatever stupid impulse you have, let's go ahead and not do that one, you know, or what have you. But as far as, like, battles and battles win i mean tywin was the go-to guy i mean he was the guy that kind of kept everything yeah. going on that well side of it granted he won one battle by sending a raven and suggesting that maybe walder frame murder literally everyone at the wedding but hey you know yeah, it, it worked <laughs> yeah it did the trick old pragmatic tywin but in any case <laughs> but i mean even on that front you still sort of have jamie as you know who does come into his own as a battle commander as it turns out but like I said, it's just with him off the board, you know, there's a lot of, okay, where do we go from here now? Because like even the Lannisters, like you mentioned, had taken, have now taken a hit and it's again, you know, kind of a full reshuffling because it's like, okay, finally now the bad guys have taken enough of a hit that you kind of don't know which way is up for them. Yeah, it was the first time they were really oh, vulnerable. Quotes around bad guys again, but you get my point. Like the, at the, the henceforth antagonistic family, shall we say? Yeah. But yeah, in season five, you have, like I said, that's when you see a lot of the fallout of the aforementioned Tywin's death. And like I said, you have kind of the moments where Jamie is forced to sort of come into his own as, you know, something other than a warrior, because again, no hand. Uh, Cersei <laughs> is completely ungoverned and ungovernable and, you know, starts kind of laying the foundation for what you might initially think is going to be her downfall, but maybe not so much. And leaves a couple other things kind of, you know, just unchecked. But, um, I think the probably biggest moment in season five, as far as like reshuffling goes is ultimately what happens with Stannis. (laughs) You'd had the, you know, he had gone and, kind of another out of nowhere well not really that out of nowhere there's like seeds planted earlier with a letter to davos but still you know he shows up at the wall and whatnot and actually at that point offers to legitimize john which john didn't take yeah the irony and um from there you know is going to take on the boltons it seems um 
true to form, Melisandre being involved, pushes and pushes and pushes and pushes. You know, just go ahead and burn your kid. It'll melt the snows. It'll bring you strength. It'll get you killed. You know, little things. That was a top three disturbing death, in my opinion. Uh, say it's pretty up there. Um, but I, I, like I said, kind of going back just a tiny bit here. Of course, hell, I mean, a lot of the top three happened in the one moment, so, like uh, the Red Wedding, so it's hard to even... That's you know, true. I mean, but, one of the most sorry. disturbing, at least. But I mean... Uh, definitely. Like, there, I mean... And you just, you just touched on this a tiny bit. The reasoning behind her burning... Mm-hmm. Or behind him burning... Uh, yeah. Shereen. I mean, what... But again, it's one of those cases, and again, kind of like the fall from grace, which again, he's not totally a heroic character, like, ever. Yeah. He's sort of like a minor antagonist or obstacle and can be sort of semi-heroic or semi-protagonist yeah, when he needs to be. There but, are times you think he's really kind of turning face a little bit. I mean... I didn't, but again, I think that's because of the reader perspective. I yeah. think the truth of the matter is that the actor brought a certain charisma to the character that's not really present on the page. Like yeah. on the present, you know, like on the page, he really does seem just generally more unlikable, and he, he's also he's not a POV character. So, not being a POV character is usually a pretty glaring sign of not super important. <laughs> not making it, very long. <laughs> which is funny to me because a lot of the readers still can't figure that one out. But whatever. Yeah. Um, and I mean, maybe not super important. Well, uh, of course, I, I qualified it super important. He is important. He's just not, you know, like not one of like the top you know, five or six, let's just say. Yeah. But again, you have another one of those cases, which, you know, as I mentioned before, you know, he tries to conquer King's Landing. He's told, leave Melisandre behind. He does so. He tries to do this. He's told leave her behind. You know, he has, you know, kind of a series of misfires. And then finally it's like, you know what? All right, let's go with her. Yeah. What do you say do? Oh, burn my only kid. All right, then. Sounds good. And doesn't his he, wife go along with it at first or something? I'm Heavily. And yeah, well, okay. and that's the other thing. And I don't know how much I think the show establishes this pretty well. But in the books, the way Melisandre actually comes into his life is through his wife. His wife becomes a servant of, I believe it's pronounced like Rahola or something like that in the books. One of those looks like a name that H.P. Lovecraft came up with that you can't <laughs> pronounce with a gun to your head because there's words and, or there's letters, consonants where they shouldn't be and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the Lord of Light. There's a reason they call him that in the show. It's because the other one's hard to pronounce. Well, like I said, in the book, he's sort of brought, or she's brought into the picture because his wife becomes a follower of that particular religion, that religion. and oh, okay. pulls her into it. So Try she's, no pun intended, on fire for her <laughs> all the way through. And it's interesting because it's like, it's a character who was, you know, to that point, pretty cold and distant and not at all likable. Yeah. And then, you know, a couple of seconds into burning her daughter at the stake, she snaps and actually comes out of it and becomes a full mother and hangs herself, which, you know, oh, well, I couldn't care less. You went along with this. <laughs> let her hang herself. You know, yeah. It's like, well, you let this happen. You let, may, arguably made this happen. So here we are. That was and, sad. Now, in the books, did did she have, did Shireen have the relationship with uh, Sir Davos? Uh, or is that he, kind of show... Yeah, she does, but this is worth noting. We're kind of, at this point, parts of Season 5, 
moving a bit beyond, like beginning to move a bit beyond the books or have like giant patches of story in the meandering part four and part five kind of condensed and combined because, and I stand by this and it's a little harsh to say, but if they had just straight tried to adapt book four and book five, the show probably would have gotten canceled. Really? It's just, it's so all over the place. It's meandering. There's all these new characters. "Eh." Is that one of the books? Because I remember you telling me one time, one of so-and-so book is so hard to get through. Is it one of those? Hard to say. Um, It's like, I think book four is probably the one that's the hardest to get through because you don't have John and you do not have Danny. And there might be another couple of POV characters you don't have. Book five, you have them again. You still have the meandering kind of all over the place plot, but then it ends in like the deeply unsatisfying. Ha- um, almost said hangover. The uh, those are those are also deeply unsatisfying. <laughs> Don't drink too much, kids. But yeah, the uh, the deeply unsatisfying cliffhanger. But again, that's something we've got a segment to cover a lot of that later. But I will say this is the point. trying to remember where they left off with stannis in book is basically him at the wall getting ready or not him at the wall sorry him out in the snow somewhere getting ready to attack the bolton forces that's basically kind of where he's left so as soon as all this happens we're moving beyond the books okay there's a contingent of the fan base that still for whatever reason believes that stannis is the sole you know main character and that this was character assassination blah 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 oh those people are wrong yeah and they need to get over it but whatever he probably doesn't die in the same fashion in the book so do you think no i'd imagine this is probably how he goes out um yeah there's also a letter from ramsey suggesting it had already happened but you don't know at that point whether or not it's worth trusting but again that's kind of a deeper dive on that later um but to the point of this like i said there's some that i can't comment on from the books because we don't have any books yeah uh Let's see. What are we at now? Uh, it's 2019. Did, uh, eight years. Eight years now. Kind right of touching about. on that just really quick. Did he have a promised release date for uh, When's a Winter? Mm, no. I okay. mean, the so assumption. Well, I mean, he indicated. I don't think he promised it, but I mean, he indicated the series would be finished. When I say the series here, I mean the series of books before the series on television. Yeah. And. You know, there came a point where it's like, all right, so that's not happening. There also came a point where, you know, the show kind of was like, all right, well, if you don't have a defined, you know, that's, I think, where the bullet points came about, where it's like, all right, we need something to work towards, but if you don't have books here, we're going to have to just kind of chop this, 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 and this, kind of go forward with it. Yeah. But... uh, Let's see. That was the longest bunny rabbit I've ever chased and trying to get around to Stannis fall from grace but uh yeah but as i was saying again you still and again this is partially because the show makes him maybe not a bigger character but you know he's one of the primary kind of people you follow in the show yeah but another case where you assume this is a guy that might be around for a while and you know then he burns his daughter and as it turns out yeah the snow's melted and uh also many of the mercenaries and the people that were on his side decided you know what go burns his daughter at the stake not really the dude i'm gonna follow didn't think about that gonna defect to these nice murderers over here the boltons and uh (laughs) turns out they're worse but well whatever the case you know he wakes up the next day yeah the snows are melted and much of his army is gone and and you know again with the cutaway battles 
fairly unceremonious fashion. Here comes the cavalry. He and the remaining men pull their swords and cuts to him wounded by a tree. Yeah. When uh, dear Brienne happens by and does what she swore she was going to do yeah. you know, from the beginning, which was she ever saw him, she ever had a chance, she was going to execute Stannis. And yeah. she does so. And for killing um, Renly. Renly, yeah. Back to season two. And now that was a whole lot of plot discussion, which my friends are going to yell at me about, but whatever. The point is, though, with the removal of Stannis, again, you have kind of a big piece taken off the board. You know, this is another character who, you know, I, I like I said, at that point, I'm kind of having to speak as a viewer because there's no books. As a reader, I don't think Stannis is going to make it to the end, like, by a long shot. So it's not that surprising to me. Maybe you can comment on that as a viewer who's just, you know, purely a viewer. Well, I was going to ask you, I mean, kind of mm. touching on that, by that time in the show, his ultimate goal was to reach King's Landing and take the throne, right? Right. Okay. But part of the reason that he wound up where he wound up was because he wanted to, and again, this goes back to the whole council to do things the right way. Yeah. The Night's Watch requested help. Okay. Well, the Lannisters didn't give it to him, and, you know, the Northern Army really couldn't give it to him because the Norm- most of the Northern Army's kind of, you know, yeah, out of sorts at this point. I mean, as a so viewer, that's why I, he's going there, and that's how he winds up there, and then realizes that the Boltons need to be dealt with. But sorry, as a viewer, I definitely expected him to make it to King's Landing in some fashion. Now, I, well, I, I mean, he did, and then he lost a battle there. But I well, guess you he mean never make actually. It back. Yeah, I mean, yeah. actually getting mm. there, <laughs> having a confrontation with Cersei or something. Maybe getting on the other sides of the wall and actually seeing the throne. Yes, something like that. <laughs> yeah. So then you would agree that it's, you know, fairly big reshuffling then because, you know, here's this guy um, and then unceremoniously off the board. The fact that the way he died and yeah, Yeah. just the fashion and um, it it was over pretty quick. I mean, it was just like, okay, well, all right, well, now what? (laughs) Who's going to go through the, you know, for the throne now? I mean, yeah, still have this little dragon queen over yeah, so well, I mean, she was still the yeah. driving force, but I, yeah, mm-hmm. I expected him to make it further in the show. Yeah, for and sure. Again, and I think that's it's just a bunch of missed. I mean, you've already said this, but it, every time he tries to do something, well, something I mean, goes wrong. Well, and that's one of the things. If you actually <laughs> kind of want to just like take a bigger look at the story, you know, to a big degree, what is the throne? But kind of a MacGuffin, okay? Yeah, a MacGuffin, like you know. The object in the story that, you know, six or seven people are after. Well, okay, you know, if you want to use the wrestling analogy, the money in the bank ladder match. All right, there's eight people in it. Only one person gets to grab the briefcase. Yeah. And so it's always interesting to me because you do have people that are like, well, yeah, but why do they throw the story in there anyway? Why do they do this? Why do they do that? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like part of telling a story. That's how these stories work. <laughs> like you're supposed to have. That's a story. Nine or ten people all chasing after something. Yeah. Or, you know, for all points and purposes, kind of running a race. And only one of them gets the finish line. That's keeps you guessing. Yeah. You know, Okay, so this story, not even anybody we thought, but that's beside the point, and a later thing. Um, but, like I said, I think that was probably the biggest bit of reshuffling you've had in Season 5. Um, so, with that in mind, we can move along to Season 6. And 
to me, the biggest bit of reshuffling you get in season six really is Cersei blowing up the sept of Baylor with yeah about half the principal cast in there. <laughs> that with was it. brutal. And I mean, like I said, we're talking to viewers, so we don't need to do much of a summary of what led to that. But you know, she had run afoul of the faith. The faith had uh, caused her to do basically the walk of shame through King's Landing and everything, and. As we might have known by this point, Cersei's not one to be, or, you know, to take being crossed lying down. Yeah. So, and she didn't. And, um... There's a lot of repercussions from that, too. Yeah, I mean... And that was another one of those, like, not only blowing it up, but then ultimately that season ends with her as queen, which is, like, took me by surprise, because I never... I assume that's the direction they're going in the books. I can't say for sure, because, again, we don't have any books yeah. yet. But that was one of the ones that, like, took me by surprise. Really? Because I kind of I kind of figured she'd be out of the show, like, uh, late six, early seven, and yeah. then would move on to, you know, quote-unquote, the real threat, which that's another deep dive. But, yeah. Um, so, like I said, that's one that really took me by surprise by itself. Like, I knew that a lot of these characters probably their days were numbered i didn't expect it to all just kind of go down in such a okay so that's gonna blow up and uh, the king's gonna do a nosedive out of the window and uh well it was it was very, cersei's queen now it was very much a situation to like with her and joffrey kind of she was running the show anyway behind the scenes i mean she was very well, much influencing some influencing the current king on what to do and what to say not really not by that point that was the problem that's why she blew up the set what with you are you forgetting that Oh, Marjorie was there to kind of counter counteract a lot of the things. Kind of counteract. Was, yeah, well, that's that's true. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, it's like as soon as she slept with him, that boy wasn't turning away from anything she said. It's like <laughs> that's, I forgot. Okay, well, okay, I forgot that, about that. that hook's baited. Yeah. All right, yeah. and that's on true. top of that, she was, she she then was running the show. Yeah. well, I don't know about running the show. It was still a struggle, but like she manipulates him into you know accepting the faith of the seven. Or, yeah, yeah. I think at that point, the faith militant. And basically going along with what the, I'm just, uh, the, the, the high septon, I guess. I'm trying to remember. I think there might be a more technical term for him, but crazy preacher, man. Let's just go with that. <laughs> yeah. And that sums him up pretty well. I mean. Yeah. But I mean, and that's kind of the thing. And uh, to be fair in the books, Tommen's significantly younger. So he's by nature going to be controlled by everybody. But... Uh, kind of returning to your original point, though, like, yeah, Cersei had a little bit of an influence on Joffrey, but really the one pulling the strings was Tywin. Tywin, that, yeah. That was, again, you Okay, know, that's true. Luckily, Tywin died after Joffrey, or else, boy, would this story really suck. But, yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> but, like I said, to that point, you know, that's sort of what the whole power struggle was about, was... I guess basically, you know, control of her son, and you know, like I said, basically, as soon as he winds up in bed with Natalie Dormer, he just kind of goes on whatever she says. Weird. Strange how that works. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> but, that was, that was a huge victory for her, and um, you know, blowing up the scepter because I mean that was she knocked out a lot. Well, of at once victory. I mean, victory, and then her son walks out of a window. Yeah. Going ahead and fulfilling that little prophecy of hers, part of it. So, um, so I, I guess you'd say a Pyrrhic victory. It's like, congratulations, all your enemies are off the board. Oh, and your son's dead. 
None of my children. Whoops. Yeah. Well, she still had... No. Never mind, never mind. The girl got poisoned earlier in the season. Okay, I couldn't remember if that was the same season. One of the few significant things that the Sand Snakes did, other than just piss the entire audience off for about two years. Um, Anyway... Pleasant feelings on them aside. But continuing on with that, again, it's a reshuffling because a lot of these primary characters are gone. And now Cersei, the possibly most evil human being on the planet, is Queen of Westeros. Oh boy. Yeah. Isn't this going to be fun? That's how the season ends, maybe? Or I'm pretty I... sure it does. Yeah. Because I remember Jamie kind of walking in and like seeing her on the throne and that look on his face, just kind of like that, oh God, like look on his face. Because that's a thing. It's like, yes, he loves her. Yes, he's addicted to her. He also absolutely knows exactly what kind of person she is. And it's just like, oh, cool. You have unchecked power now. What'd go wrong? That was a cool ending, though, because it was just like, what's about to happen? Yeah. I mean, what's she going to pull first? I think the ending, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the ending. It was either that or the ship's launching. Something. Perfect. Or, wait, no, that was six. Yeah. Or wait, this is six. My brain's not functioning today, people. I think it was Sorry. in the same episode, anyway. but maybe not the last thing it, you see. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, they usually have that moment of giving you something a little bit hopeful as that final little bit. Yeah. Even after they had massacred 90% of the cast, maybe just <laughs> one episode before or whatnot. Moving along to season seven, um... I would say the two, kind of, as I mentioned earlier, you know, game-changing, deck-reshuffling type moments there are, the obvious one would be, well, first one, of course, would be Viserion dying. And I don't know how you felt as a viewer. I felt very early on that there was, it was very unlikely that the dragons were all going to make it to the end, or <laughs> well, possibly, uh, like, maybe none of them make it possibly but at least one or two of them you know dropping off the mat in some regard and or off the mat dropping off the board in some regard and you know that was a fairly big one because not only does he drop but better still ice dragon <laughs> like something out of like the heavy metal movie Tell you what, you go build you a nice <laughs> wall of ice, and I'll go get me a fire extinguisher, and I'll hit it with it, and we'll see how that works. He's not uh, an ice true. dragon. It does take down the... Uh, He's an undead no. dragon who blows blue fire. For zombie some ice reason. dragon. Okay. You've seen blue flames, right? you yeah. got like a grill, whatnot. Anyway, point is... I didn't, I on didn't top of that, see that coming. Well, I thought that was awesome. Before we get to that, though, to finish kind of making my point of how it reshuffles the deck... Mm-hmm. One, he dies, so there's that. You have one less dragon now for Danny to, you know, foreseeably go and easily curb stomp King's Landing with. And two, now the Night King has a dragon, and he means to bring down the wall. So with that said, you know, what was your opinion? Uh, imagine if she had, you know, jumping. I'm not going to talk about it, but imagine if she had hit King's Landing with three. Well, and that's a funny thing. She didn't need three. She yeah, was so, apparently just holding back the whole time. That's what I'm the saying. One would have been just yeah. one is brutality. Of course, I mean, the other thing is, if she'd had three, it's a lot less likely she would have gone off the rails and would have probably just aimed specifically for the place where the bad people live. But you know, whatever. Anyway, that's true. Um, I know. I, I, you know, when the dragon fell, I was like, oh my god, you know, that's that's huge. But then when they started dragging it out of the uh, the water, it's like. He's about to revive it. <laughs> it's gonna, I mean, that that was pretty epic. That was pretty uh, hardcore, seeing him on the back of the uh, the zombie dragon. Yeah. And again, back to you know deck reshuffling, that does leave you with 
you know, as I mentioned before, just that big moment, you have, you know, suddenly this evil, unstoppable force now has dragons too. And, you know, oh, well, we're off to a good start for season eight now, aren't we? Well, because at that point, too, you were you felt the cards were very much in her favor because she had dragons. she had the dragons. Yeah, you're like, she can just wipe them out, can't you? Right. Um, as it turns out, not. Yeah, we found out yeah. many things so, later. <laughs> um, but that moves us along, of course, to season eight. And no need to really set the backdrop for it. We all know how that played out. But, you know, along with the themes of, like, kind of zigging where others will zag, reshuffling the deck, etc. A uh, big moment of that would be the Night King dropping in the middle of the season, courtesy of Arya and the aforementioned Dagger. That was and, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Undeniably. I did not see it coming either. Later they mixed him into drinks, <laughs> put him in kegs to cool down their uh, their ale. Some, uh, yeah, that's, where, that's where the Ices came from. That was that Most was gross. the legacy of that was the legacy of the Night King. Yeah, beverage cooler burst into cubes. Yeah, perfectly cubes. Good in the whiskey. Mm. Anyway, though, um, and I mean that if you want to kind of like draw a parallel to Lord of the Rings, something people tend to forget about. I think because frankly, a lot more people have seen the movie than have read the book, despite what they say. Uh, Sauron drops off in about the middle of the final book, and then you know there's more to deal with after, which kind of how the show went as it turned out yeah but still it is you know a significant moment because you have this huge character that many people believed was going to be you know the big bad and now he's done he's over and done with and we've still you know got I think what two episodes or episode two episodes at this point to carry on and I mean, even for me, like I said, my original belief of where the story was going to go, which I mentioned in the first episode, was changed by this episode. It's like, oh, okay. So much for that, then. I mean, I guess in my mind, if you'd asked me before that battle, where do you mm. think the show's going to go? I guess I was always thinking that somehow they were going to get to King's Landing. They were going to battle Cersei, somehow defeat her. And then, I guess the undead army was there's gonna be like a final battle at king's landing or something i, I didn't know so you thought they were basically gonna like redirect and just hit king's landing and then yeah then there was always like the, the undead there was always the thought too that they were hitting westeros and king's landing at the same time but mm. that didn't actually happen i eh, i thought about so many times over the years i'm not quite sure what i thought was gonna happen i think one thing that I thought was likely was that either John or Danny did not survive the battle with, at least I'm talking from the show perspective here. The books, no idea. Like, I have thoughts, but, you know, not worth getting into right now, because that's something we're covering. I definitely thought there could be more deaths. Yeah, like, I remember there even just being points within that episode. It's like, it was almost that point, like, unexpected deaths. Oh, no, unexpected lives. Like, (laughs) wait. Way more like people. Live people, you know. Oh, you're making a plan. Well, you're gonna die, and you're gonna die, and you're especially gonna die. And yeah. You're, oh, that sounds happy. You're gonna die, and you know. <laughs> that sounds joyful. And, and just an aside, you know, anyone ever has a big villain coming that raises the dead? Maybe don't hide the defenseless people in the uh, crypts where all the uh, dead lie. It could go badly. But um, <laughs> all that aside, just come back to my original point here. You know, like once he's off the board, it's like it again, it fundamentally changes the story because, you know, there's kind of this belief at this point, oh, they're all going to put aside and, you know, for evil, 
or you know defeat the big bad evil and I guess some people think happily ever after or whatnot, but yeah, and you know, then he's beaten, and it's like, oh, we still got time. We, you know, we still got time left, and this is not over. Yeah. Oh dear. We still have Cersei. Yeah, which moves us along um, to uh, what I would say is probably the final and most significant, you know, case of reshuffling the deck in the show, which is. Basically, the death of Danny's conscience, and with all that, um, yeah, let's see. That dies. King's Landing dies. That was... The Iron Throne doesn't even survive all that. And, you know, and I've said as much, but it's culturally speaking the most significant, you know, heel turn since Hulk Hogan 1996. <laughs> Again, you have full arena. You expected Mean Gene to walk in and interview Danny. Speak to your... No. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Anyway, <laughs> you, but again, you have an arena full of people. Everyone knows wrestling's fake. They almost rioted. They throw trash at the ring, etc. And culturally, that's kind of about the response you got to this, to some degree, from some people. But I mean, again, it's total reshuffling. And you have this character, you know, who has been built and I mean obviously there's you know it's a savior pretty much uh, and I mean that's the thing obviously there's things you can look back on and say okay well that was pretty twisted and yeah the level of was pretty messed even though up even though she was taking out you know bad guys quote unquote I mean the level the level of brutality that she went about doing so was questionable yeah and so and unnecessary <laughs> yeah and, well and that's the thing and you always have like I mean, the books go about telegraphing that, and the show, you know, does a fair amount of telegraphing it too, but it's still for many was a late game surprise because, like I said, I think many expected that even if one or the other died, it would be in some fashion that didn't have to do directly with what have you, and that ultimately one of them would be the good guy on the throne. Yeah. And then, like I said, ultimately the throne doesn't even make it. So. When she started begging John to not say anything. Well, that was kind of one of the key moments for me. Yeah. Also during that scene because, you know, John finally, you know, that whole episode, I think it's episode two, he's been given the ep- the information, episode one. He walks around kind of avoiding her all of episode two, not wanting to tell her about it, and then finally has to tell her about it. And her first response to it isn't, you know, like, oh, wow, what does this make us? We're related, et cetera. It's wait. So you have a better, th- you know, you have a better claim to the throne than me. Yeah, and kind of, you know, a clear example of not what he was expecting. Yeah, and that's uh, I don't know. I it was in kind of a maniacal fashion in that she could not go on. Her life depended on I was going to have to sit on that throne. I did not want to do anything else. You know, I wouldn't settle for being the queen necessarily or whatever she wants to be in control she wants to do things her way mm. um, and i mean i it, she was going to take out anyone that she had to to get there yeah which was kind of the point and people kind of trying to explain that to john at later points where it's like you do realize this is not going to be the last time this happens right because remember as you know he's yeah. sitting there saying for lack of a better term the dragon hitler speech he doesn't hear what she's saying obviously he's seen what's happened he but he goes in there wanting to believe that this is not, you know, what she's become. 
and he does accept it to a I mean he does say you know she is now our queen you know blah 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 he says it a couple of times but I mean once that happens like there's that key moment kind of where he puts his sword up which I think kind of stands it's like you know where it's like okay I'm not here to kill people I'm here to save people at this point and but I mean you know I mean again he's in love with her so you know people tend to look past a lot when they're in love but he goes in a courtroom or not the courtroom the throne room basically wanting to be talked out of it and it's like every time he asks her a question it's like she fails the test you know and just gets further and further you know they don't get to choose they don't get to decide that's what she said that completely stilled it for him Mm. i think so anyway and i am still to some degree bothered like when people are like oh mad queen mad queen it's like I don't think Danny ever went mad. I think Danny went tyrant. And I think Danny was doing exactly what she wanted to do from the beginning. I'm going to take the well, you know, to a degree, but I mean she was pushed into it by in some cases circumstances, you know, the deaths of like, you know, her friends, her dragons, etc. Yeah. Her counselors actually one trying to push her not to just fly straight to King's Landing and burn everything down, kind of going back to the Stannis analogy from her earlier. And better still, you know, than the knowledge that, by the way, turns out John's actually the true heir to the throne, not you. Uh, which, Neil's to say, she did not handle very well. I mean, to be um, fair, I still don't, I still can't make a good argument as to why she massacred 100,000 people. To prove a point, to send a message. To who, though? Anyone who wasn't in King's Landing and anyone who would hear about the fact that now there was no King's Landing. Oh. Okay. The same reason Tywin eliminated entire households. That's why I said she went more tyrant than Mad King. Because yeah. again, why is that song? You know, why is the song "Range Casimir" played? It's because people know, you know, to remind people of what Tywin Lannister will do if you cross him. Yeah, that was her moment, basically. You know, this woman crossed me, so I'm not just going to burn her. I'm going to burn down her entire city and everyone in it, man, woman, and child. And anyone else want some? Turns out she burned everybody but her. <laughs> yeah. Just a nice little building fell on them. But, um, you know, from there, you have kind of the full reshuffling in that, you know, ultimately, the king is now an el- kind of sort of an elected official, kind of a republic style, and we already discussed Bran and our own little issues with that, so we won't delve into that again. But... You know, the point is a lot of people started this assuming that, you know, the Iron Throne was kind of the main goal, set in the other, you know, as I mentioned, the MacGuffin earlier. And then ultimately the MacGuffin doesn't even exist at the end of this. <laughs> yeah. Like Danny, you know, Danny's off the board, John is exiled, slash kind of sorta of given his freedom, if you get technical about it. And somehow the tree wizard's on the throne. Alright. <laughs> the tree wizard is back. So I mean Maybe you know, his like throne's going to be like a little tree. Nah. Instead of swords, it'll be made of branches. Well, judging by <laughs> the last one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and I mean, as far like I said, you know, going with the theme of today, which has basically been reshuffling the deck, I, yeah. you know, I think the ending's kind of the ultimate example of that. That's a big reshuffle. So, uh... Let's put the demigod on the throne. Yeah. What go wrong there? <laughs> anyway, moving along, 
Before we get into character themes and analysis, I want to do a quick aside on what I feel are the three most ironic villain deaths over the series, which were, um, well, we'll just start and talk about them from there. I'd say the first one was Roos Bolton, and in his case, you have a man who unleashed Ramsey Bolton, his little mad dog slash son, onto the world, and ultimately yanked that chain one too many times and was defeated by him. And, you know, there's an old saying or even an old, like, trope hoisted by your own petard. And that, you know, basically when someone's kind of brought down by, like, their signature weapon, their signature method, what have you, I think that's a testament of it, as are the others to a degree. Um, If you have anything to say on Roos, by all means, I pretty much covered what I had, so. No, I think it's very much what you said. He he poked the uh, the bear too many times. His son, I, his own bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a situation to where Ramsey was obviously mad from the beginning, and uh, it was it shocking that he killed his own father. No, Absolutely not. not to me. <laughs> no, like uh, everything we've seen so far, it's like no. And I think that's one of the few where it's like again, a villain's taken off the table and taken off the table by another villain, but you're just kind of like, yeah, you earned that. Yeah, like yeah. that. That's exactly not surprising. Killed to you. go. You know, and the only person who seemingly was really actually surprised by it was him. To be fair, remind me just really quick. How does he kill him? Like I said, I haven't gone back and poisoned by our enemies. He stabbed him to death and then literally told the maester to write down that he was poisoned by our enemies. That's right. That's right. Okay. But he basically, if I recall, you know, told him that his, uh, that his stepmother had given birth to a boy and that was kind of the thing to snap Ramsey because true-born sons, even if the Ooh. bastard is legitimized, still have a better claim. I and forgot about like, what he did to them. Alright, well, you knew how this was going to go. Yeah. But yeah, uh, a delightful character, Ramsey. Which brings <laughs> us to the next person, or the next ironic death, which was Ramsey. Yeah. And Ramsey, for much of the show, you know, a sadistic monster, goes along uh, actually literally hunting people with his dogs for sport. <laughs> Ultimately, you know, he is defeated in the Battle of the Bastards, beaten half to death by John, and chained up where a very rightfully vengeful Sansa decides to, you know, go ahead and remind him of that threat about how he had starved his dogs for a week in anticipation for his victory that never came. And she pulls that lever, and old Ramsey gets eaten by his hounds. So, I mean, very fitting way to die for him. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's another one of those that, like, I'm not sure how that goes in the book because of a certain, or how that will go in the book because there's a certain amount of divergence and which character is which. But, it, like you said, it's still a fitting way to go, even still. I kind of wish Theon would have helped pull the lever to let the dogs in. <laughs> but he's another, I don't know, like, that's another one of those characters. I mean, we kind of talked about this earlier, but, you know, I kind of thought throughout, you know, that John will probably kill this guy yeah i kept kind of expecting john to kill somebody in single combat and ultimately <laughs> did he ever we don't really well he i mean yeah but oh, unimportant well. like white walkers or random yeah, person kill. or That's this true. that and the other but never did he get like a big satisfying sword fight with a big satisfying villain That's what i mean he, like a one-on-one main event yeah. type thing yeah it's like well i mean danny, he, he I, kisses danny deep with tongue well, yeah. and then he kills her <laughs> The kiss of death. Ah, hero. Anyway, but um, <laughs> it stabs her suddenly. 
Yeah, moving along. Uh, I mean, eh, not much I'll say about Ramsey. I. <laughs> Maybe but again, you know, it's a nice one. Like I said, a nice full circle ironic death where you have a guy. This was his primary method. That's how he went out. Ramsey um, somehow made Cersei seem okay. <laughs> She's not that bad. <laughs> when you went to Ramsey, it was like, man, you would almost think that somebody like this would be in a higher position of power because he was that evil. Like, as the main villain, you know? Well. Uh, <sighs> He was pretty awful. I don't know. Part of the reason, you know, but I mean, he was basically, in a way, kind of an example of what Joffrey would have become if, for example, other people had kicked off and not Joffrey. Like, just complete unchecked power. That's true, yeah. Here we are. Because at that point, he's basically running the show, you know, in the North. And really, the South isn't that concerned with him. So that's kind of what you've got. Yeah. But uh, moving along, the final and probably most ironic death in the series would be that of uh, one Peter Baelish or Littlefinger. And that's actually kind of multi-layered if you want to get technical about it, which is one, he gets murdered by the dagger that, at least according to the books and the show, he introduced into the story. Now, again, how he did so is a little different according to the medium and not really worth covering too much right here, right now. But... Still, ultimately, that was his dagger, and he dies by it. That's fairly ironic in its own sort of way. Also, the dagger that he held to Ned Stark's throat in the throne room. That's true. But more importantly, his main thing throughout was trickery, treachery, intrigue, etc. All while doing all this right in front of Sansa, who he just seemingly assumed is a complete moron who can control and whatnot, who's actually learning all the tricks and in almost Sith Lord fashion kind of becomes better at it than he did and uses that against him. Also, you know, having a tree wizard for a brother, he can just kind of go and, <laughs> yeah, hey, you, so what all this guy did? So, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, that's a long list. Man, that sucks. Let's get all these people that hate him together in the throne room and do something about it. Let's see if the and, idiot actually shows yeah. up. <laughs> and, you know, so they did a little mock, you know, like they're going to put Arya on trial and then comes the kangaroo court and all the accusations and the dagger to th- across the throat and that's the end of Baelish. Once again, but, a very just boom, dead. You know. Well, and I, but I, I would say it's one of the more satisfying like human villain deaths that you yeah. get because it's like... But just, as far as how he died, just a quick slit to the throat. Yeah. I mean, you know. But, you know, he caused the War of the Five Kings. He's responsible for much of the misery that befell the Stark family. Particularly, you know, couple of the members that are sitting there staring him down and then ultimately you know the three of them together get to the three kids (laughs) yeah well yeah well three of the three remember there was a fourth kid well yeah three died in glorious unspectacular fashion again run serpentine kids yeah don't run straight yeah um (laughs) that's why i was yelling at the screen i wasn't yelling it but everybody was thinking that like why is he running straight it's almost as if he knows he's going to... Oh, yeah, that's why. He did. <laughs> um, but, again, you know, like I said, very satisfying. You know, you have in the house of the people he's wronged, the people he's wronged, and they beat him with his own trick. And with with the dagger. Yeah, that's true. Well, that with is the dagger, a, but also, again, with intrigue and well, I'm saying you know, backstabbing, and yeah. et cetera. And so, like I said, it works on two levels with you know, literally his dagger and with literally his main weapon which was you know intrigue that, man, that's, and whatnot i mean i guess i've thought about that but I, mm. i'm just thinking about it again that's really true because 
that might be the most satisfying death of a villain. I mean, because in the place that he screwed him over by the kids of the, mm-hmm. you know, Ned, yeah, with the dagger, and they tricked him. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty... I don't know how you, you could really get more satisfying. <laughs> yeah, and that's one of those things also, like... Uh, I don't know exactly how it will go down in books, but yes, I suspect Sansa will play a part in it. Yeah. You know, but it can't go down much more perfectly than it did in the show. Yeah. And (laughs) that's one of those, yes, there are other satisfying villain deaths, but it's like, I mean, even the Night King, it's like he's still a mysterious enough force that, you know, it's cool to see him turned into ice cubes, but... Like I said, you know, it's kind of why I specified villain, because this is one who you actually saw through all these seasons, do all these things to all these people, and then... Very ready for him to die. Goes out in the most spectacular possible way. (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, I really think this is going to be a good time to end it. I'm going to kind of call an audible here. I think we've... Yeah, ending on the death of Littlefinger. We've packed a lot of... way to end an episode. (laughs) We've packed a lot of content into episode two. Like, what do you... I, th- I think we're aiming for you know an episode three, of course. Mm. What do you what, what would you like to cover in the next episode? Well, as I mentioned, if we want to go full Martin with it, the best way to do it would <laughs> we do a nice tight episode three, and then a meandering four, and a meandering five with a deeply unsatisfying cliffhanger, <laughs> and then just never come back to it. <laughs> then just do a bunch of random just, things and talk about it. Yeah, we just do what George R. R. Martin would do. It'd be yeah. Great. <laughs> However, supposing we don't you know spill over on time uh i think for next episode we'll have character and theme analysis which let's see from my estimation will be about nine hours um (laughs) covering just the spectacle of game of thrones and you know that basically you know kind of that it brought tv to a new level and that it may that we may never hit again absolutely yeah i mean it's one of those shows Mm -hmm. that's always going to be remembered you know yeah, just little bits about the show, like the differences between the show and the books, which have been touched upon but not really delved, you know, deeply into. Speculation on the remaining books, uh, a little bit or a lot perhaps about season eight and its controversy, backlash, etc. You from- fell in love with Reddit at that time. <laughs> <laughs> Check out Michael's Reddit account. <laughs> it's very entertaining strangle you right yeah. here on your own <laughs> but yeah that's that sounds good man we're gonna you know try to wrap it up in episode three and we thank you guys for listening here and we'll uh we'll see you next time and if not remember deeply unsatisfying four and five with a cliffhanger <laughs> all right bye